TED Audio Collective. Hello, friend. It's Manoush, and this is Zigzag. Before we start, I just want to read you something uh, from Neiman Lab at Harvard. So Neiman is a must-read for journalists, if you don't know it. Anyway, here's the headline. Want to support journalism with cryptocurrency on civil? First, you must pass this really hard quiz. Okay, and then here's the subheadline. The Neiman Lab staffers failed. So did Manoush Samarodi, a co-founder of one of the new civil-backed newsrooms that's leaning on the promise of the company's forthcoming cryptocurrency sale. And, okay, so then the article, which is beautifully written, I might add, it goes on to ask, uh, somewhat incredulously, how big is the middle of this Venn diagram of people very interested in specific areas of news coverage and specific newsrooms and reporters and people very interested in blockchain and cryptocurrency? So I read this and I was like, well, Neiman Lab, I don't know how big this Venn diagram is, but I do know where its nexus is. It's right here with us. Hello, Hello. <laughs> It's chapter eight. You're going to get a conversation with some of the best journalists around. And Jen and I take some of your tough crypto questions. Be right back. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh my goodness. After last week's episode, when we had the big announcement that people could now register to buy civil tokens to become financially staked in this project to rebuild an ethical universe for journalism, I was holding my breath as I went to the email inbox. I mean, because think about it. If I, I mean, I'm the host of this show, which is about changing the course of capitalism, journalism, and women in tech, I am all in but I failed the token registration quiz that you need to take to become part of this experiment. And I also told you that I thought that the process was a total pain in the butt. So I have to say that I did not expect any of you to write in to say that you had joined in. But of course you did, because you're as curious as we are. I just took the questionnaire that you were talking about in chapter seven. And it's my opinion, it was designed to be failed. (laughs) I tried signing up for the uh, coin pre-purchase and actually failed the test as well, which I find kind of refreshing that they won't just let anybody walk through the door and buy whatever they want. I did fail the test even though I work in tech. There are just a lot of details and specific things you need to know about that I didn't know about. It was definitely a pain. I don't think I would have completed it if I wasn't genuinely curious or uh, really interested in civil. This is 
an incredible hassle. Lucky I really am fascinated by the whole process, but I can't ever see this having major appeal. That's true. Maybe this first part of launching the token won't have major appeal. But I think it's interesting the reasons why many of you want to participate, that could actually intrigue a lot of people. The care with which Civil and the token foundry are going about things gives me confidence that this might actually take off and not become yet one more great idea that could get no traction because of the bad actors of the world. It gives me hope, and boy, do I need some of that right now. really love the idea of being able to participate in the journalistic process and, and also have a bit of a voice in, in what is and isn't allowed on the platform. I am fascinated with the idea of assigning a value to integrity. I feel like if I'm going to know more about quality news and I'm going to filter out all the crap and reward myself for all the good that I'm finding, it requires my attention. And my attention requires diligence. I am not very well educated on things like blockchain and Bitcoin and anything technology related, but I'm inspired to know more. I know more because of you, and uh, I hope a lot of people do it, and I'm going to try to do it as well. Well, guess what, folks? Thanks in part to your feedback, Civil has decided to extend the early registration period. The team wants to give people more time to get a handle on this token registry process, a chance to join in on one of the webinars that they'll be offering, and to not feel rushed or overwhelmed by all the steps it does take to join this experiment. As you've heard from fellow listeners, there are lots of good reasons to buy tokens. But yeah, there are also good reasons not to. And I'm guessing that most people will likely decide that token buying is not for them and that is completely understandable. And anyway, we need all kinds of different people to make this new ecosystem work, as we heard a few chapters back. Just listening to this podcast and talking about these ideas with people around you is really, really important, too. Okay, mm-hmm. speaking of bouncing around ideas, let's, let's get to that conversation that I promised you at the top of the show. So every week here in Civil Land, the 20 or so newsrooms that are on Civil, the first fleet, as we're called, we have a conference call office hours. We get an update on the techie stuff going on, or we ask questions or whatever. It's all off the record. And these are some of the best journalists in the biz who have also quit their jobs or are taking big risks to join Civil. Well, this week we asked everyone to put the conversation on the record, to let us record it for ZigZag. Because remember, all of us journalists, we are learning the details of how civil is going to work as we go, just like you. And most of us were a little surprised when we found out that the maximum amount that civil will be accepting for a civil token is 94 cents. That means we all definitely need to keep looking for other ways to support the journalism we are making. Just Tokens is not going to float the work that we do. So how are people going to do it? Jen and I really wanted to know. Oh, by the way, Matthew Isles, the guy who came up with this whole idea for Civil and now has the title of Civil Media CEO, joined us for the conference call. Um, And it is a conference call, so forgive the not-so-beautiful audio. Okay, here we go. Otherwise, it's all going to be on the record. All right, we're rolling. Go time, Jen and Manoush. It's all you. All right, 
cool, you guys. This is awesome. I just want to sort of start a conversation about how people think it's going. The the registration process. Matthew, let's start with you, and then you guys, please uh, jump in. So I definitely think that the reactions that we're seeing are not good enough. We need to make this easier, and we need to make this feel better. And we have lots of ideas for how we're doing that. And we have webinars planned. We have customer a whole customer service apparatus that we've been working on for months. But it is not at the it is not where I would like to see it yet. But we are heading there. For people who maybe were surprised as we were by the the cap or that it's not gonna be, you know, a huge amount of money, you know, definitely not the beginning. How are you guys figuring out your business models? Like, I'd love to hear from anyone who's willing to say, like, here's how we're going to make it through the next stretch. This is Maria Bustiosi at Popula. Um, I think it's going to be a hard thing to get people to answer this because we've only been privy to the information about what's going to happen in the next month. You know, I've been working on this thing since October of last year, and we've had 20 different, like, possible scenarios playing out during that time. I don't have to do anything but pay writers. You know, I will be absolutely fine if, like, we can find, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 subscribers. We will be, like, golden. So, That's all you need? 20,000 to yeah. 30,000 subscribers who who yeah. do what? Who are paying, like, you know, an annual an annual price to subscribe to Popular. Like, and we're going to set it at around $60 for the basic subscription. You can kind of see like what happened like in the in the Munchie fiasco and whatever when like people were just shut down who had actually good business plans. So what's like, Munchie? I'm I don't know, even know what that happening. is. What's Munchie? What? No. Oh my god, you amateur. Sorry. <laughs> school me, sister, school me. I'm going to school you right now, mama. They had like a plan to Manu here in the studio. I'm gonna jump in. Okay, so to fund this restaurant review site, Munchie was selling Munchie tokens and had a plan to raise fifteen million dollars. But some of the promises that Munchie was making to people, financial promises, seemed kind of fishy. Some people who were real cowboys and went around telling everybody, you're going to make so much money on Munchie cryptocurrency, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, buy Munchie cryptocurrency. Yeah, so the Securities and Exchange Commission decided that Munchie stank and it shut the whole thing down, made them return all the money they had taken from people. So this is what we're avoiding. And so the sort of growing pains that we're seeing in this process right now are all intimately related to this. I agree with her completely. The Munchie example is actually a phenomenal one for us to look at um, for all the reasons she mentioned as something we're trying not to do. I do have a follow-up, which is uh, I feel like there's another sort of education element that has come as kind of a surprise to me, which is that we're getting a lot of questions about the basics of journalism as a what what its role is in society and is it really in jeopardy? It's almost like we need a civics lesson here. Listen, I think that when, you know, when DNA Info shut down, we saw, pe- you know, readers come out of the woodwork telling us how much this local coverage meant to them. At this point, Stephanie Lule from Block Club Chicago jumped in. She and some of her colleagues had previously worked at the local news site DNA Info. Uh, You may remember DNA Info was shut down last year by its billionaire publisher after staffers voted to unionize. Honestly, as someone who, you know, I've been in the industry for a decade, it was kind of shocking for me to get so much positive feedback from readers. And, you know, 
this kind of coverage does matter to people. And I think we're seeing a change in the industry. And I think we're seeing readers understand now that they have to chip in and pay for the news if they want it to stick around. And 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 so are you do you get a sense from people in your community that like, oh, my goodness, we're so glad you're here. You're filling sort of a gap in some way they, that they understand that in a way that maybe, I don't know, those of us living in New York City don't get because we take it for granted. I'm Eric Lubers of the Colorado Sun. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely both sides of that. The people who fully understand journalism and they just say locked and loaded, this is something that is great. And then there's people whose sense of what journalism is has gotten really distorted. And what we're trying to have to do is kind of explain fact-based journalism and explain what bias is and how to avoid it. Maria, did you want to jump in? Yeah, I would like to hear what Eric has to say about like what really motivated you guys based on management problems at your original shop, because we're seeing over and over that like owners and consolidators, you know, asset strippers, hedge funds, people have like preyed on newspapers and, and, and journalists, you know, to the detriment of the public. But like, I think almost a more important thing to inform the public of is you, you were going to be deprived of independent information and why and by whom. Right. That, that's a really good way to put it. Uh, the Denver Post, uh, you know, the newsroom itself kind of rebelled. The amount of layoff coming from Digital First Media, which is owned by Alden Global Capital. Overall, I think the value of a display ad has plummeted in the last, you know, 10 years. And so a lot of it, when you try to put up a paywall or something along those lines, and you end up saying, like, people just go, well, why should I pay for this? I'd love to actually jump in on that. Digital media is not a, a cash poor industry. Um, Google and Facebook are making lots of money here. It's just that the folks who are producing content, um, specifically journalism content, which uh, also carries a, a much higher degree of resource resources, costs, are not being compensated. If we can increase this awareness, we've got data to support that people are going to be more likely to support newsrooms. Is Harry Siegel on the call? Harry Siegel is on the call. Can you hear me? In addition to joining Civil, Harry Siegel writes a column for the New York Daily News. Uh, the Daily News, which just this week announced it was cutting half of its entire editorial staff. Hey, I'm, I'm Harry Siegel, co-host and co-founder of FAQ NYC, a uh, podcast about New York. So in New York, uh, MTA board meetings for the train system, and as the trains are breaking down and there's like billions of dollars at stake, yeah. there's not someone there to just generally keep things honest. I will say that there are not reporters in the boroughs anymore for the citywide papers, really. Um, that no one covers the courts in Queens or the Bronx full-time. There's not one full-time reporter covering that. It's crazy. All of this, not covering the very basics of where people live, it's a mess. Local reporting gets cut, and then no one is holding those in power accountable. But who is going to pay for the journalism to get done? Okay, but that makes me want to put the question, the number one question that we have gotten from ZigZag listeners. If we're talking about people who have money to buy into this civil thing, people who have laptops, or what even Maria said, which is that she needs twenty to 30,000 people who can spend 50 to $60 a year getting a populist subscription, are we just going down the same model that all these other newsrooms that are, quote unquote, innovating are going into, which is subscription or tiered access? And then we just leave out the other people all over again. 
if you're poor, you, um, as we know, in a capitalist society, you get less access, but we're trying to make it so you get as much as possible at Popula, that you can like help give access. So like so many other things at a time when our governments and other institutions and corporations are failing us so dismally, I think we can persuade people to support us because even though it takes money, it doesn't take like a gigantic amount of money to fund responsible journalism so long as you're not having to support these sort of behemoth platform companies or or billionaires or asset strippers who are going to try to cream off whatever profits there are for themselves. Uh, Matthew, I saw your eyes light up. Um, what was what was getting you so psyched right then? So a, a, a lot of it, but um, <laughs> just responding to some of the last like few comments. Um, this is going to be highly nerdy for a second. So when it comes to the notion of subscriptions or membership, is I think to date by and large. We've looked at that problem as an industry as charging everybody the same thing for one thing, which is it costs you 10 bucks. If you can read 10 free articles on the New York Times, and then it's 10 bucks a month, and that's it. What we've started to see out of these experiments that these newsrooms you guys have been doing is there is an appetite for people to pay more than that price. Yeah. And there is a much more dynamic market. Basically, the point is I think that no one's ever built anything like this before. We've never seen what a decentralized platform of similar businesses with building on shared infrastructure who are cooperatively owning that infrastructure. We've never seen that before. And I think we're going to see new business models emerge as a result of this. Awesome. You guys rock. Thanks for hanging out. We really appreciate it. Um, Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Thank you, guys. Okay, you just heard from Matthew Isles, CEO of Civil Media, Maria Bustios from Popula, Stephanie Lule from Block Club Chicago, Harry Siegel from New York FAQ, and Eric Lubbers from the Colorado Sun. We'll put links to all these newsrooms and others on our website at zigzagpod.com. We'll also stick them in our newsletter, which is free, by the way. Are you subscribed? Go to zigzagpod.com to subscribe. I know that these people would love to hear from you because they know how awesome you are. They're listening to the show, too. Okay, when we come back, uh, you guys have some big questions. Jen and I are going to try to break a few of them down. Be right back. This is ZigZag Chapter 8. I'm Manoush Samarodi. Just FYI, Civil has not yet released any numbers of how many people have registered for the token sale. I can't wait to find out. And the learning process, it continues. There are still so many questions that need to be answered. And so at this point, I am turning to the woman across from me, Jen Poyant, my co-founder, the zig to my zag. Yeah, hi. hi. <laughs> You're here for token question time. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, let's do it. Okay, Jen, I just want to quickly remind folks that to try and reach a fair market value for the 34 million tokens that they are selling, they have set some pretty strict parameters. As soon as they reach $32 million, so 94 cents a token, the sale will shut down. Otherwise, the sale goes on for two weeks in the hope that they at least reach a minimum of $8 million or about 24 cents a token. Um, And if they don't meet their goal, it's pretty interesting actually what happens. They shut down the whole thing. They give everyone back their money and then they 
reset, essentially, and, and would give it another try. Um, okay, so are you ready? Our first question, I love, love, love our listeners. Okay, our first question comes from Barb in Australia. Lots of Aussies, by the way, and Kiwis. Um, Barb writes, I have now managed on my second attempt to pass the test, though I may have aged 10 years in the process. Oh, Barb, I'm sorry. I have a very basic question. For a consumer of news, an individual not connected in any way with the making of news, why would you purchase civil tokens and not just donate to the podcast? What would be the pros and cons of each action, both for the listener, but also for the makers of the podcast? That's you and me, Jen. Mm -hmm. um, I bet you have lots of listeners like me all around the world. Some of them have maybe $100 or $1,000 or $10,000. Whoa, Barb, or just $10. Um, I would be interested in your thoughts as to what would be best. Many thanks and good luck. Are we, Barb, first of all, thank you. Yes, thank you, Barb. Right? So thoughtful. Um, and I think we should say a thank you to the listeners who have already made donations, actually. Absolutely. We're, I'm kind of surprised every time I log in right now, uh, I'm the one kind of keeping track of our bank account to make sure that we're paying our audio engineers and our intern and... You're the bean counter, Jen. I'm a little bit of the bean counter. I'm trying to do my best. But <laughs> lately, I've been logging in and seeing these wonderful donations yeah. in, in ranges that are kind of surprising to me. So, but what do you think? What would you prefer? Would you, if there's a choice here, you know, stake some cash in the civil economy or give it directly to us? That's a, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. I'm going to say that I would rather... The reason to buy a civil token or more more than one is to support the entire platform. So I would say that that doing that supports not just us, but all the newsrooms. That's very generous and of the, you. And the system. So if you want, if you are a listener in, to this podcast alone, and that's the only thing you're interested in in civil, maybe donating is the right way to go. But if you're interested in supporting the larger idea behind uh, an ecosystem that's governed and the governance issues with the uh, constitution that we talked about, all of those ideas, then I think buying a civil token makes sense to see what it feels like to kind of play that game. I should. I think that makes total sense. And we actually asked civil to weigh in on, on these questions that we're going to be addressing as well. And here was their message to Barb and anyone thinking of donating. They said, we certainly hope that many people will do both, but we recognize it is not feasible to both donate to the podcast and buy civil tokens. Um, and they say the same thing. What it comes down to is whether you're more interested in supporting the ongoing sustainability of a quality news organization that you like, like ZigZag or any of the other ones on there, or whether you're interested in having your voice heard on a more institutional level. And by that, they mean that you want input and influence on how ethical journalism is defined on civil. Um, I think this actually segues beautifully into a question from a listener, Adam Ford, who recorded a voice memo. Is creating a new platform that is trustworthy the best way to deal with the fact that we have a proliferation of platforms that are already untrustworthy? Thank you, Adam. Okay. I think the answer to this is so fascinating. Uh, you and I have been talking about this. The, basically, the way Civil sees it, they want to build the anti-Facebook, Jen, um, as it relates it to journalism. Right? I've been thinking about this constantly. I can't get it out of my head. The question of how much power Facebook and Twitter, but particularly Facebook, has in capturing the eyeballs of people all over the world as they're checking out their news feeds rather passively and seeing journalism, some good, some really bad spread, it really requires a very critical consumer of news. 
I actually think Civil puts this pretty well. Journalism has yet to find its own platform, is what they said in response uh, to Adam's question. Facebook and Twitter have become de facto platforms for the eyeballs they command, as you just said, Jen. But they weren't built for journalism. Facebook's success is predicated on its ability to gather user data and sell it to advertisers at a huge profit. If they were to retool to focus on ethical journalism above all, they'd have to throw that model out the window, which would never fly at a highly centralized organization that's ultimately controlled by public shareholders who are ultimately focused on profits. Right. So it's a questioning the business model of Facebook on selling that user data and then the influence it has over those eyeballs to understand where your news is coming from. So So I guess to Adam, the answer is like the whole decentralized idea of civil is what they think is going to make this work as a platform for journalism. Obviously, we think it's worth exploring. Okay, another question from another Adam, actually. This Adam is in Canada, and he asks, bless you, Adam. He says, I've started setting up my Token Foundry account, and I passed the quiz. Token Foundry, we should add, is are the people who are making it possible for the transactions to happen on civil. So that is when you when you start this whole process of registering, you're actually going to Token Foundry. So Adam is saying he started doing that. He passed the quiz. That's the one that checks your knowledge that you are not trying to gamble away your life savings, that you know what this whole thing is all about. Okay, but then Adam says, now they're asking for me to upload a photo of my passport. This just makes me feel icky. Uploading a photo of a major piece of ID to a website I don't really know basically sounds like the perfect recipe for identity fraud. People on the civil forum say you can also upload a driver's license, but that doesn't make me feel better. Is there a way to do this without uploading a photo of my identification? If I have to expose myself to identity fraud in order to participate in civil, then I am not sure I want to participate. I have to agree with Adam. So do I. Yeah. It bothers us. I think a lot of people, because we give our information away so freely these days, mm. uh, a lot of people don't think about this anymore. And I think it's worth thinking about. You mm-hmm. really have to make a measured decision. I'm not saying civil isn't trustworthy, but trust comes with time and proof yes. and action. And we have to see. Uh, they have said they take privacy very seriously. But we're going on a promise from what I can see, correct? I mean, I think it's funny and not funny haha, but funny scary, if there's such a thing, that we ha- just have to trust the technologists behind this platform. Um, this, okay, I think it's very important that we read exactly how, how Civil responded to this question. If you want to participate, Civil says, in the token sale, this is the only way to do it. Um, We realize this is an added hoop to jump through, but it's there for a good and extremely important reason. Um, We need to be able to verify the identity of anyone who wants to purchase civil tokens to make sure they're not spammers or anybody else seeking to acquire tokens for any other reason than to participate in our government's model. So they say passports are universally recognized and verifiable identity standard We recognize that we're staking our own reputation on the line with any third party we advise potential token purchasers to use, and we have certainly done our due diligence. We are confident we've chosen a trustworthy partner um, that's going to help ensure we're taking the responsible steps necessary to distribute civil. Um, So at this point, I mean, you're kind of taking our word that we believe in the people who are creating civil and and they believe in the people in the—I mean, yeah. No, you're not. I mean, we didn't say— 
No, but we've said that we think that they're good people and we've decided to go in ourselves. We're trusting them with our entire livelihood at this point. That's true. (laughs) Speaking of which, many thanks to the listener who pointed out that I was a dumbass last week and gave out the wrong email address for us. Our email address is zigzag at stableg.com. It is not zigzagpod at stableg.com. I conflated the two. Don't listen to me, obviously. So if your email bounced back, please give it another go. Again, it's zigzag at stableg.com. And meanwhile, we would love to hear your thoughts on how you think our business model should evolve. Should Jen and I offer a zigzag subscription? I'm not sure. Right now, our newsletter is free, so get in on it. You can sign up for that on our website. I'm not even going to read the URL again. Um, And just another reminder of another URL we want you to add to your brain. How annoying is that? The listener survey. We really want you to take it. It's surveynerds.com slash zigzag. My God, sorry. Uh, I have more things to ask you to do. Please keep sharing the show. Who writes this shit? I do. Rating us on Apple Podcasts (laughs) and leaving a review. Uh, Jen cried again the other day reading the Apple Podcast review. Don't worry. It was tears of joy. We so really appreciate it. I'm know. okay with that. I'm willing to admit every once in a while. Oh, you're still here. Hi. People are touched. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we so appreciate your feedback there and on Instagram. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyan. David Herman is our audio engineer and composer. Many thanks to our other audio gurus, Dan DeZula and Matt Boynton, and to our intern, Jordan Lauf. I'm Anish Samarodi. Thank you so much for listening. Zigzag comes from Stable Genius Productions in partnership with Civil. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. Hello, ladies. Dan calling from Tasmania in Australia. Just wanted to say you tell a damn fine story. I've been enjoying the podcast. I just binged pods three through six last night on Friday night. I've had very little sleep, which is probably contributing to my decision to jump online and try and buy some of your magic beans and see what these civil tokens will grow. Keep up the good work.